0: tonight in the word of prayer and we'll get started today. So Father, we thank you uh, for uh, this service. Father, we thank you for the church of the living God that we're allowed to gather together, Father. We're able to gather together as your people around your word and by your spirit. And Father, we thank you for listening ears tonight, Father, open hearts. We thank you that we'll be taught and instructed in your word, Father, and that uh, we will grow and increase as a result of that, Father. And then the end result of everything, Father, is that we bear much fruit uh, and bring glory to your name. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We'll get started today. So we've been um, talking about prayer, and specifically we're talking about, um, uh, right now we're talking about the prayer of uh, praying in tongues. But, um, you know, our foundation scripture is here in ephesians in verse 18 it says praying always with all prayer in different translations say all kinds of prayer or all manner of prayer so there are different kinds of prayer and of course we've been going through that that's what we're doing in the study of learning the different types of prayer uh, how valuable they are what we do with them and, and um you know some guidelines about the the use of that prayer uh and uh and of course we're not going to go back and, and revisit all of those things but uh I think you went back and looked at, Chris, we've been teaching on prayer since February, March, something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's been, we've been on prayer for a while, but of course you can't probably teach too much about prayer uh, because um, much of what we receive from the Lord is going to come through prayer. Amen. Uh, And so, so we're talking about specifically about the prayer of tongues. And we know in general that there, let's turn over the first Corinthians chapter 14. We'll continue there. We know that in general, that uh, there are two uses of Praying in tongues and one is a public use um, and uh, it's primarily used for uh, edification, exhortation and comfort. And then there's the private use of your prayer language that you can use. And we're uh, and we're going through really chapter 14. We may not go through the entire chapter, but we're going through chapter 14 because it's it has a lot to say about tongues. And part of the reason uh, that that the Lord had so much time to spend on praying in tongues is because uh, uh, this is such a, um, an area where the church can get into fanaticism and get out of balance in that the Lord needed to make sure that there was balance taught in the Word of God. Uh, you ever seen uh, churches get out of balance in the area of speaking in the tongues or in any spiritual gifts? Uh, well, That's why this chapter was written, and, that, and yet that's still going on today uh, because we're not taking everything that we're being taught in the Word here and using that to balance our lives. Uh, and, of course, we also know just in our general discussions of, of uh, the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues that in every case that the, in the book of Acts where they receive the Holy Spirit, they also receive the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Uh, and it was always the Lord's intent that every Christian is a tongue-talking Christian, that every Christian is what we call Pentecostal, right? Uh, even though Pentecostal... Uh, the, the, Lord, the Lord never intended for there to be the whole church and then a portion of that church was a Pentecostal church. The Lord always intended for the whole church to be Christian and for the whole church to be Pentecostal. There was never intended to be a distinction on that. And, and the, if you had that, then, you know, you could still have multiple churches and some churches will focus on the poor, the needy. Some churches will focus on missionary work and instruction or, you know, different things that uh, that uh, you may be called to, to work with uh, and you could find a church that would still... Uh, allow you to be a blessing to that ministry with the gifts that the Lord had given to you. Uh, But that's not really how it played out, right? And so tongues were forgotten really for centuries. Uh, We find evidence that there's probably tongues in every century of the history of the church Uh, but as far as it being a widely distributed uh, sign and a gift in the church, it was fairly limited for many centuries really until the beginning of the 20th century when groups like uh, uh, whether well, William Seymour and in um, uh, Azusa Street, but really Charles Parham uh, out of uh, Kansas really kind of ignited that back uh, where it should have been uh, in, in broad use in the church. And again, you know, it should be in fully, full use of the church, just like salvation is fully used in the church. But um, um, we still have to win the hearts and minds of some people, people, right? So a lot of people see Pentecostalism and speaking in tongues as that's kind of for the crazy folks over in the corner over there. And we don't really want, want much to do with that. Uh, we're going to be the respectable, you know, uh, uh, people over here that don't, you know, do weird things like speaking in other tongues uh, until we get to heaven. And the Lord say, did you speak in tongues? Well, no, Lord, you know, that was for the weird people. And he said, well, that uh, I called everyone to be weird. Right. Uh, didn't he call us a peculiar people? Right. Uh, and so um, so tongues is, is helpful. It's necessary. It's a gift from the Lord. And we had read there in last week in chapter 14, verse 3, it says, but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So those are the three uses for prophecy. But we we know that tongues plus interpretation of tongues is essentially the same as prophecy, right? Because prophecy is speaking by the sudden inspiration of God. So uh, in the New Testament, prophecy is generally not telling a future. Prophecy is generally just speaking uh, as the Spirit of God would instruct you to speak. Uh, and tongues and interpretation of tongues is essentially the same. Uh, and so uh, so let, let's uh, continue on then in um, uh, verse 4 then. He said, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So uh, the word edify means to build up and to be made strong. Uh, and so when, it says when you speak in an unknown tongue, when, you, when you're speaking to yourself, so that's in the private use of speaking in tongues. So when you spend time in praying in other tongues, it edifies you, builds you up, makes you stronger in, in your spirit, ma'am. Uh, and uh, th- you know, that should be a good thing. So let's, let's turn over to the book of Jude um, and read, uh, just read a verse out of the book of Jude. Jude is the last book before uh, the book of Revelation, right? Uh, and so in the book of Jude, let me get over there. And, uh, it says uh, in verse 20, is It But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So when you see that phrase praying in the Holy Ghost, that means praying in other tongues. And so Jude says that you're building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Holy Ghost. So, uh, part of the value of you spending time in praying in other tongues is that you build yourself up, making yourself stronger. And if you're stronger, then you have all the all the value that comes with being stronger. You have the ability to more uh, greater ability to resist sin, greater ability to follow the will of God, greater ability to resist pressure to change or to um, uh, to yield to um, things that are not right. You know, in in the church, just like in the world, uh, you know, if you put uh, a dollar in front of somebody, you know, uh, they may lose their salvation over that Uh, and they may they may um, uh, not follow the will of God because of a dollar, you know, whatever it is. And, And it's amazing how many times that money will change people's course and direction. Because, you know, they're, they're great people until uh, some uh, business transaction occurs or something occurs dealing with money, and then they lose all their Christianity. Uh, you just wait till, you know, uh, a mother dies or, or a great uncle or rich uncle somewhere dies, and uh, the, the family goes insane uh, trying to get the money, trying to get, you know, the, the people that used to love each other yesterday suddenly are, are at odds with each other and become enemies because of money, uh, and the reason why is because they're not strengthened in their inner man, because they think that money is going to be the solution to their problems, right? Well, if I just had more money, I, you know, we were talking about that today, About uh, Jesus talked about the deceitfulness of riches, you know, and the deceitfulness of riches is it's basically a lie, that money is the solution to your problems. Well, that's a lie. That's, and it's a deceit, but it's a strong lie. Uh, and the only way to to avoid or to resist that strong lie is to be built up uh, in your inner man. Uh, And so how many people have left, you know, a a good job to get a raise, but when they did that, they had to leave their church to go to a city where there wasn't a good church or, you know, sometimes they leave their spouse or they they leave their kids, you know, to get an extra dollar. And uh, uh, instead of saying, well, Lord, I'm going to be strong where I'm at, but they can't resist that temptation to take that greater job because uh, they're not strengthened in their inner man. Uh, and and now the Lord wants to promote us, right? He wants to increase us. He wants to bring additional funding into our lives, no doubt. But uh, that's not the primary consideration of whether you should take a job or not. The primary consideration of whether you should take a job or not is, does God want me to have this job? Does God want me to take this job? And if he does want you, then you take the job, right? But... Uh, it, it just because it's a raise doesn't mean it's a job that you should take. And just because somebody dies doesn't mean you should lose yourself and, and go insane to trying to get that money here. Just because, you know, there, there's, uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen otherwise good Christians just lose their mind over money, just fighting over money and just fighting over a dollar. And, and, and you know, it's just we've got to get to a point where money is just money it has no spiritual value Uh, it's not sanctified it's just a tool Uh, you know before they had money dollars physical dollars printed dollars and coins you know money was whatever you had it was the barter system right well I've got two cows and a chicken what do you got well I got three mules and and a donkey Uh, you know I'll trade you you know one cow and a chicken for for two mules well, that's still money, but, you know, uh, it's a little bit, it's hard to, to stick a cow in your wallet, right? Uh, I mean, you might could try to do that, I don't know. But um, so they came up with money as an, as an alternative way, you know, as a medium of exchange. Uh, but people just go crazy over it. Uh, and it happens time and time again. You know, you get, you get dealing with business transactions and people will go crazy because of money. Uh, and, um, you know, in dealing with business transactions. You know, for me the the overriding uh, overriding aspect of a business transaction is what have I said. It's not the contract that I've signed. It's not the piece of paper that I put my name on. It's what have I said. That trumps everything. Uh, And uh, I will make sure that what's in the contract then lines up with what I've said, but the contract to me is it's just a piece of paper. It's of no value to me. Uh, It's what I've said. Uh, That's pretty rare, apparently, you know, uh, in many business transactions, you know, well, it's not in writing, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but you said you do that. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I said. Uh, it matters everything what you've said. Amen. Yeah. And a lot of Christians, their word is of no value, zero value, unless it's in writing. Even if they're Christian, no value. And the problem with that, if, if your word is no value, then I can guarantee you, you are a person of no faith because faith is is rides upon the value of your words so if your words are of no value, your faith is of no value. You will not be a person of faith. You will get everything by hook and crook, uh, and and, um, uh, and it's a shame. But a, a great solution for that is you spend enough time in praying in other tongues, strengthen yourself, build yourself up, edify yourself. Then when that that thing comes, then it's easy to resist. It's not it's not even a hard thing to resist. Oh, this is money. Well, it's it's a million dollars. It's still just money. I mean, it's. Just, what is a billion dollars? It's still... What could, well, just think what I could do with a billion dollars. Well, see, you, know, you shouldn't go down that. Well, just think what you could do with a billion dollars because now you're living in your mind instead of living in your spirit, man. You know, I wouldn't think of what I could do with a billion dollars unless I had a billion dollars. Other, other than that, then I'm just in I'm, in... I'm lusting after money. I mean, isn't that the same way that lust works for women, right? If you're a man and you're lusting after a woman... You think about what you could do with them and, you know, you could do this and that, you know, you're thinking about the relationship you could have and things that you all not do, you know, in public. And I mean, that's that's the whole thing about lust is in your mind, you've already created this entire universe. Well, there's no difference in lusting after money in your mind. You've already. Well, I could buy this. I could buy that. I could have, you know, I could have a yacht. I could have this, you know, and all these things. And what's the point of doing all that? You know, you're just just lusting after money uh, and, and that will drive you. Just like lust uh, in the physical sense will drive you, lusting after money will still drive you. And a lot of people who lust after money will, will do that. Uh, and um, uh, and so, in uh, you know, in fact, the proverb says that he who hastens to, to be rich sins with his feet. Uh, something to that effect and that's pretty close uh, because people are they're always striving to get rich. Now I understand the Lord desires for you to be wealthy. Uh, he desires for you to have. Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That sounds like wealthy to me, right? That sounds like what uh, having a greater abundance than you can ever use. That sounds like what the Lord wants to have us. But that comes as a result of being a good steward of the word and good steward of the things that the Lord has given to you and doing what He's instructed you to do. Uh, he, will always, he will always bring addition into your life uh, if you're a person that He can trust with that, right? Uh, and so So one of the great values of praying with other tongues is you can become a stronger Christian because there's sin that you've got to resist. There's temptation that you've got to resist. You know, I'm I'm with Jared a lot. And, you know, I'll I'll see somebody drinking alcohol or something. I said, Jared, does that uh, tempt you to drink alcohol? He said, no. I said, well, someday somebody will try to tempt you to do that. Uh, uh, And just remember this point because, you know, so many times, well, you know, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal well, then you got tempted to do it. Uh, yeah. And so um, if, if you can train yourself and strengthen yourself prior to the temptation coming, then when it comes, it's not even an issue, right? That's why, you know, people plan ahead and they build, you know, dams and things so that when the waters and stuff do come and flood against them, it's no big deal because they've already uh, strengthened everything they need to strengthen, plan for it. And, and when the actual thing happens and occurs, and it will, right, you'll be tempted and, tried in many different areas of your life. Uh, and when that temptation and trial comes, what's going to be uh, the result of your life? Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've seen so many Christians that uh, they're just wonderful saints of God until a trial or an event occurs in their life and they completely fall apart uh, and they're wringing their hands or they're, they're panicking or they're, you know, what are we going to do? And, you know, this is so hard. And, and the reason is they're not taking the good times and training and praying in tongues so that when those trials and tribulations come, they're prepared for it. Uh, you know, when the trials and tribulations come, you remember when we read in John 16 about Jesus said he has overcome the world, right? He said, uh, he, he said, in me you have peace. He said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Well, then, then when the tribulations come, we should be cheerful. Not because of the tribulation, but because we were cheerful before they came. And we should be cheerful when they come. And we should be cheerful when they leave. Maybe a little bit more cheerful when they leave, right? It'd be okay. Uh, but uh, the reason why we have the capacity to do that, to be cheerful before, during, and after, is because we've strengthened ourselves. And yet many Christians, when, when times are good, they're not out you know, doing anything. They're not out training. They're not out uh, advancing uh, their spiritual strength by praying in other tongues. Uh, and, and here's the thing. If you don't pray in other tongues, if you don't believe in praying in other tongues, then you're missing out on this capacity to strengthen yourself. So what are you going to do? How are you going to strengthen yourself if you don't have the tool that the Lord Jesus, as the head of the church, gave to you for that very purpose, right? He gave you the ability to pray with other tongues to strengthen yourself. So how else can you do it if you don't believe in praying in other tongues? And that's, you know, that's the thing. Uh, a lot of Christians, say, well, I don't, you know, I don't believe in praying in other tongues. So every, every value that the, and we're going to look at many values of praying in other tongues. But every value that the Bible talks about praying in other tongues, then you've chosen not to take advantage of that in your life. And then you're subject to your own abilities, right? So you're, you're limited to whatever inherent strength that you've got uh, to resist sin. And, you know, maybe you can resist a lot of sin, except until it comes to that uh, red sign at, at uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts, right? The red time, sign turns on in, you lose all sense of yourself, right? You you got to go in. You go into there, and you get all the donuts, you eat them all right then, right, and get a gallon of milk, and you're in sin in no time. But other, you know, other things you can resist fine, except for that red hot now sign, right? Uh, and so, uh, and the reason is you're not praying in other tongues. You have know, to resist the uh, the donut devil, right? There's not really a donut devil, but you know what I'm saying. It's just, uh, and so, uh, so he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Uh, Jude said, you're building up yourself, edifying yourself, strengthening yourself. Uh, And, and, um, uh, you know, I I know when when my pastor died, uh, you know, we were with him for 20 years. And uh, when he died, many of the people, you talked to him, you know, even within a week or two of him passing, they started to bring, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to get by? I mean, if he didn't make it, we can't make it. Uh, and, And, you know, the reason why they were saying those things Hey, they're good people, right? They love the Lord. I believe they love the Lord. But their strength was, was in the pastor. You know, your strength is not in me. Uh, I don't provide you strength. I provide you information, really, is all I provide for you. Uh, but uh, your strength is not in me. Your strength is in the Spirit of God who dwells in you. He, the Bible calls him eternal life, everlasting life. He lives in you right now. Uh, and you take advantage of that strength by praying in other tongues, and the Bible says it will strengthen you. Uh, and so... And then verse 5, you know, I don't know how anybody outside the Pentecostal church gets around verse 5, but he said, I would that you all spake with tongues. Uh, and then they, they immediately go to the second part of verse 5, but rather that you prophesy. So see, tongues are not that important. But he just said, I want everybody to speak in tongues. Isn't that what he says? So, so who, who in the church does Paul want to be able to speak with other tongues? Everybody, right? If that's what he said, then what should the church do? everybody in the church ought to speak with other tongues amen uh but he said but rather uh that you prophesy for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh in an unknown, unknown tongue except he interpret uh, that the church may receive edifying so now in verse five he's talking about the whole church so now he's talking about the public use of tongues uh which is for uh edifying and strengthening the church right so your personal use of tongues is to edify yourself but but uh Prophecy is there to edify the whole church. That's what he said earlier in verse 3. Uh, but, so what he's saying in verse 5, this is where we get the equivalent that praying in other tongues plus interpretation of tongues equals prophecy, which is essentially uh, what verse 5 is telling us. So he said, if all you do is speak in other tongues in public to the church, that's not really helping anybody. He said, if you're going to speak in public to the church, you would be better off prophesying and speaking by sudden inspiration versus only speaking on the tongues and then he says but you know if you also interpret what you've just spoken of the tongues then that, then that's pr- basically the same that we said except except uh, you interpret that the church may receive edifying so again the the uh praying in the tongues and interpretation of tongues uh is equivalent to prophesying because they're both speaking by sun inspiration so let me just mention a little bit about uh interpreting then so uh you know, uh, if you go back to chapter 12, tongues and interpretation of tongues are two of the spiritual gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So, And those two gifts work together, right? So you don't have interpretation of tongues without first tongues, right? So so if somebody speaks in other tongues and they speak out a message in other tongues and that could be a short message, a long message, you know, it just depends on on what the Spirit of God wants to do in that. Uh, And I say long, I don't mean like 30 minutes long, I mean like, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute long, right? I mean, it's there's no time limit, I know, but if you're going to speak for 30 minutes in other tongues, you know, I would wonder whether that should be for your private use and not for public use, because who wants to listen for 30 minutes to something they have no idea what they're talking about? Or no, or no idea what they're saying. So, so tongues uh, is a supernatural gift, right? It's an unction that comes up out of your belly, right? Remember it says in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, is they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they did the speaking, but it's the Spirit of God that gives you the utterance, the, the unction to say those words. So that's why it requires faith. You have to yield to that unction to speak with other tongues. You have to yield to it. And that's where a lot of people get, get uh, either confused or they never are able to speak with other tongues because they don't know how to yield to the Holy Ghost. They're so used to just doing what they do, they don't know how to yield to somebody else. And that doesn't mean they're bad people. They just haven't trained themselves yet in how to do that and how to yield to the Holy Ghost. So there's that unction to speak. uh, And you ever wanted to say something but chose not to because you knew it wouldn't be a good thing to say or maybe it wasn't the right time to say that? Well, you've got that unction to speak, but you chose to not yield to it. And sometimes that's good, right? Especially if it's just coming out of your head and you're not going to be saying something that's helping people. Well, you still have an unction to speak by the Holy Ghost and when you yield yourself to that, you will pray in other tongues. Uh, of course, you know, you have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost before that happens, uh, according to the book of Acts, like we've talked about before. Uh, but that's how tongues work, right? So tongues work by an unction that comes up, uh, and you yield to the unction, you speak with, with uh, tongues, and you, you give those words out. And they're in a language that, generally speaking, men don't understand. Now, Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, Uh, yet have not love. You know, he talks about being a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. But uh, tongues for you is words that you don't understand in a language that you don't understand. Uh, Sometimes a listener would be able to understand that. Uh, But for the most part, you know, uh, generally speaking, people aren't going to understand that. Sometimes a tongue will be a language that nobody on earth will understand. It's a language from heaven that angels would understand perhaps. And of course, God always understands it because he's the one giving it to you. So uh, you, you don't you don't make up, you don't try to have a language. It's just you yield to whatever the Spirit of God is giving to you in that moment. Uh, and the more that you yield, the more that you speak with other tongues. Uh, and so interpretation of tongues is really very similar that uh, in the the interpreter can be the same person. it could be a different person. It doesn't have to be the same person. There's no laws and rules in First Corinthians fourteen that the interpreter is the exact same person that speaks with the tongues. Many times it is. uh, Many times it's not. Um, Sometimes the Lord will use, you know, common people in the church. They're always the one who speaks with the tongues. This person over here is always the one that interprets. Uh, And when I say interpreting tongues, of course, that's what the interpretation of tongues, that's what the Bible calls it. So it's not a translation of tongues. It's an interpretation of tongues. And so really every Bible translation we have is not really a translation. It's really an interpretation because... You can't uh, I mean you could read the original language and they uh, and they have what's called interlinear Bibles, which has the original language in Greek or Hebrew and right below it they have the translation of that word. but if you just read those words in the same order that they're in the original language, it generally doesn't make a lot of sense it's you know our English structure is different than the Greek and Hebrew structure, and where nouns and pronouns and verbs go to go aren't always the same between the two different languages, and so really our translations are really uh, uh uh, interpretations uh, hopefully the good interpretations of the original language uh, and so you're not trying to translate the tongues you're you're interpreting you know the gist of what the spirit of God said by the tongue is now what you're saying by the interpretation but it works the same way there's an unction uh, of that uh, and uh, generally speaking you know at least for me when the Lord's used me in that way is I'll only get a few words of the interpretation and the rest doesn't come until I choose to yield to that inter- interpretation by faith and I start speaking out those words. And then as I yield to that faith of that interpretation, then the rest of it will come. Uh, now, other people may get the whole thing, right? Uh, and, you know, be able to just kind of speak it from what's in their heart that the Lord has showed them that that's what is, is being said. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just, uh, that's just what I've observed in my own life there. And so, so tongues... Uh, is spoken in a language you don't understand. Uh, it's an unction of the Holy Ghost. Interpretation of tongues is spoken in a language you do understand. And uh, it's uh, it's an interpretation of what the Spirit of God said um, to that other person or to yourself in tongues. Uh, well, why does the Lord do it that way? It seems complicated. Well, it does seem a little complicated, right? Uh, but as we go along, chapter 14, we get some more insight about why the Lord would do this. But, you know, the Lord can do whatever he wants to do it. And part of the reason why is he wanted to have a sign, you know, and, and part of the value of speaking with the tongues is it's a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. So it's an assistance to you and a sign to you that you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so there's value in, in being connected to the supernatural that way. So, so Paul said, I want all of you to speak with tongues. So how many people should speak with other tongues? Everybody. What if you say, well, I don't, you know, that's not for me. Well, that's just garden variety rebellion. That's not anything other than rebellion. It's not, it's not, oh, well, you know, that's okay. It's not really okay. It's no better than saying, Lord, I don't, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to walk in as much sin as I want to. That doesn't mean they're terrible people, but they're just misinformed, right? And, And really they're in rebellion to the Lord when they make a decision. I know that it's there, you know, it's just not for me. And I've had people tell me, good Christians, sincere Christians say, well, it's in the Bible, but uh, it's not for me. And, And to me, that's really dangerous because you're telling the head of the church that Lord Jesus, although you set it up this way, although you established tongues as part of the New Testament church, I know more than you and am wiser than you, and you're just wrong. It would be better for us not to speak with tongues. Now, we don't quite say it that aggressively, but... That's really what we're saying, right? That we know more than the Lord knows. He, because who set this up? The head of the church set it up, right? If the head of the church set it up, then, then we should yield to him. Amen? And that's, that's really, uh, now people don't really say that because they, they just think tongues, that's for that group over there. Even though it's in the Bible, but they just kind of, they don't even do a, a, a good faith study of the word of God. And, and so Paul said he wants everybody to speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesied and he that speaketh the tongues, except he interprets. So uh, if all you do is speak of the tongues and nobody interprets, how, how many people are helped by that? Not very really many people getting helped by that, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and the goal, though, with tongues and interpretation is just like the goal with prophesying is the church is strengthened. So usually it's a word of edification, right, to encourage us, uh, to build us up or to exhort us to, you know, press into the will of God uh, or uh, or comfort. Right. That all is well. Uh, and so those those are the and those should be the three primary purposes of both prophesying and tongues plus interpretations in the public use of the church. Uh, and so if your tongues is always you rotten people, you're no good. You know, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with you. Um, that's neither edification, exhortation or comfort. Right. Uh, that's rebuke and correction uh, there's time for rebuke and correction but that's not that's not part of the ministry of speaking in the tongues uh, and he, so so then he, he continues on to verse six He said, now brethren if i come unto you speaking with tongues what shall i profit you except i shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or prophesying or by doctrine so he's saying there's no profit if i just speak in other tongues to you which is kind of obvious right but apparently the church at Corinth was doing that. They would come together and they would just everybody speak in tongues and, and, that, and then they would leave. OK, we're done. Let's go home. And nobody got any help. Nobody learned anything. Nobody was trained or taught. Uh, and so Paul said, you know, if I do that, it's not going to profit you unless I then speak to you by revelation uh, or in other words, teaching or by some knowledge that I have or prophesying over some doctrine. Uh, and so then he takes a little side journey of, about a couple of other things here. Um uh, and so, uh, and, you know, I think we're, we're going to bypass that and jump down to uh, verse 13. He said, wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So uh, in, uh, if you have an unction to, to speak out a word of the Lord in, in tongues, then, you know, it's okay to say, Lord, you know, please give me the interpretation of that. Isn't that what he says? Pray that he may interpret. Lord, you know, we need to know what that what you said to us and you gave it to us. Uh, and, and here's the thing is, you know, if the Lord uses that way to both speak in other tongues and to interpret, you know, the Lord does things how he chooses, right? So if you have an unction to speak a, a message in tongues, but you say, well, Lord, I can't do that unless I have the interpretation. It's not really faith, right? You're waiting, you're, you're kind of uh, requiring the Lord to give you something else before you yield to the obedience of the unction. And so that's not the way it works, right? So you would be better off to yield to the tongue. And then, you know, Lord, uh, please give me the, the interpretation of that. Because many times, you know, if it's really of God, you know, the pastor or the minister would often have the interpretation if nobody else does. Uh, That's not always the case, but that's, that, that is often the case. Uh, And so, uh, but it is OK for you to pray, Lord, you know, because if Lord gives you the, the tongue, I mean, somebody has to have the interpretation, right? Uh, or somebody should have the interpretation if it's used in, in the public scene of the church. Uh, and so uh, and he says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is is unfruitful. So now he's talking about the private use of praying in other tongues and um you know, your your mental capacity, your thought life is not involved in praying in other tongues, right? Now, if you're praying uh, in English, for the most part, uh, your thought life is what's dictating what you pray for. You know, you you think, well, like I need to pray for Aunt Susie. I need to pray for Uncle Joe. I need to pray for my church. I need to pray for my job and my kids and my wife and my dog and my cat. You know, all those things are things you're thinking about. And, you, and as you think about them, you pray about them and uh, whatever whatever things that you're praying about them right lord bless them take care of them prosper them protect them heal them whatever that's your understanding right uh but has your understanding ever come to an end like, i don't even know what to pray about or or sometimes you don't even know what to pray about you know you know, and we're, we're going to talk about that uh, as we go a little further on in speaking with other tongues praying with other tongues but are you smart enough to know everything are you smart enough to know how to pray for everything what if you're really, really smart? Do you, still, do you know how to pray for it? No, no. So there's a limit to your understanding, right? There's a limit to your natural ability to pray. That's one of the great values uh, of uh, praying with other tongues is that you have the capacity to pray beyond your understanding. Uh, and so Paul's saying that, that uh, uh, tongues is not of the mind, right? Uh, and, you know, so, especially if you're not familiar with spirit, soul, and body, you know, everything kind of jumbled up together and you don't really distinguish between your spirit and your soul. But your tongues, but speaking of the tongues uh, is out of your spirit, not because he says my spirit prayeth. Right. So tongues comes out of your spirit, whereas praying for for Aunt Susie and, and whoever else is out of your understanding. It's out of your mind. Right. Your understanding is in your mind, in your soulless realm. So. Uh, So is that valuable? I mean, if you're praying according to your spirit, it seems like that's pretty valuable to me, right? Uh, And so, uh, and then then he continues on to verse 15. He says, what is it then? I pray uh, with the spirit and I pray with the understanding also. So anything wrong with praying with the understanding? Well, no, Paul said it's fine. You know, pray for, you know, Susie and Betty and Freddie and, you know, whoever else, Mary Lou and Betty Sue and uh, all the other, you know, whatever's. Pray for all the above. uh, And then when you run out of what to pray for, pray in the spirit, right? Pray in other tongues. Uh, You know, I like the phrase praying in the spirit or, you know, Jude calls it praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in the spirit. But he also, that's what he says here. I will pray with the spirit. So uh, that's your spirit, right? By the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. And then he says an interesting phrase there at the end of verse 15. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also you know, if you can pray and speak words in another language, well, then you could sing words in another language. It's really no difference at all. It's just yielding to that same thing. And, you know, a lot of times if I'm visiting a church and they're singing some song of doubt and unbelief, um, you know, uh, I'll just sing in the spirit along with it. You know, that way it looks like I'm doing something and you know, they can't tell what I'm saying, you know. Now, if you get a if you get a lip reader, they'll be like, he's moving his lips. What in the world is he saying? None of those words are the same words of the song, you know. Uh, and so, uh but that's pretty easy because you know you go along with the music and you just keep on singing in the spirit and, uh, and there is and I know God uses the Lord uses other people that can sing in the spirit uh, and uh, and we may talk some more about that later but but uh, in the context of this verse He's specifically talking about uh, uh, singing in other tongues uh, and um, and again that's primarily for your for your purpose but. You know, I've seen people that can sing in other tongues and give the interpretation of that song, and they have a new song. And so it's a brand new song that they sang in the Spirit first, sang in other tongues first, and God gave them the interpretation. And now they have a new English song. In our language, it would be English, right? They have a new song in our language that they can sing as well. Uh, And so so just know that you can sing in the Spirit. In other words, you can sing with other tongues. Uh, And, you know, sometimes certain songs... Uh, they just the song is so big that you know the words that they that they that they give you are still not big enough for what's on the inside of you, and so sometimes you pray you sing the song in the spirit, you sing the song in other tongues because that's big enough to get the whole value of that song out, uh, and and again that just goes back to you yielding to that spirit. It's not. Uh, uh, it's not uh, voodoo it's not you know uh, it's just you and the spirit of God yielding to what he wants to get done and so sometimes just in the song in your song and you should you know sense uh, especially since we're teaching about it you know in the next in the next uh, time of your life season of your life uh, be sensitive to your spirit man when you're singing and so sometimes the spirit of God will give you an unction it will just sing that verse in other tongues it's not that you're converting those words that you see on the on the screen in tongues, you're just saying, you know, because sometimes there's another verse there that nobody's ever heard of, but it's only in the spirit realm. Uh, and you may be singing another verse of a song. And, uh, and you know, I don't, I'm not trying to make it weird or anything because it's really not intended to be weird. It's just sometimes there's an unction to sing more than what you see on the screen uh, in as far as the words. And you can yield to the Spirit of God and sing that song and sometimes just a portion of that song, in another language, because then what Paul said, I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing uh, with my understanding also. Uh, and he says, else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupied the room of the unlearned say Amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? So now again, in the public use of tongues, uh, you may be blessing the Lord in other tongues. Uh, but if, if uh, you know you're doing that publicly, maybe you're the song leader or something. It's not really blessing somebody who doesn't understand that, right? Then uh, he said, uh, uh, "How can he?" Uh, uh, he said, uh, um, "How shall he occupy the room of the unlearned? Say Amen." Because right? if you say God is great, you know people say Amen. But if you say it in tongues, people are like, "What do we say now?" Right? I mean, that's what he's saying, right? What's the, what's the response to me saying something in tongues? Should you say amen or say oh me or say something else, right? You don't really know because it's in tongues. That's, a, that's the whole point of it. Uh, but then, uh, so again, be careful in your use of tongues, in your public use of tongues, because, you know, the point is to, is to edify the church. And if you know that God uses you interpretation, then fine. If you know that God uses other people in the church for interpretation, that's fine. Give your message out in tongues. But, but uh, you know, I can't tell you how many conferences I've been to. I mean, you know, it just happens. You know, n- nearly every big conference I've ever been to, you know, somebody, and they're not, they don't ever sit down near the, near the platform. They sit way up, you know, a thousand feet away. and You can't even see them, the, the dark part of the, the Coliseum. And they'll start hollering out some message in tongues, right in the middle of a, of a service, right in the middle of a message, you know. Well, that's just rude. I mean, you know, if I'm speaking right now, and then suddenly you jump up and, and give a word in tongues while I'm speaking. Well, you know you should have learned better than that in kindergarten, right? You don't you don't interrupt somebody when they're speaking, right? You wait until it's it's the time. And really, you know, uh, as we get to, and later on in chapter 14, we'll we'll find more about this. But really, it would be appropriate, you know, for you to uh, raise your hand or you know get the attention of the minister and say, you know, I believe I have a word from the Lord right now. Uh, because you need to yield to the authority of the minister in charge of that service. By you just blurting out a message in tongues, what you're doing is you're, you're usurping authority. You're taking authority. It doesn't belong to you, right? Because right now, in this moment, in between 7 and 8 p.m., I'm the authority in the church. Of course, you know, as a pastor anyway, I am. But you know, when Jared was up here a couple weeks ago, in that moment, he's the authority in the church. It would have been rude for me, even though I'm the pastor. to Hey, Jared, that was the wrong verse. That would have been rude and disrespectful and a, a usurping of authority that, that did not belong to me. Now, if he got off track and started saying, you know, a bunch of gobbledygook, you know, I would have to uh, reestablish the authority in the church by dealing with that. Of course, we don't have to deal with that with Jared. But but, you know, when Jared's speaking, uh, um, you know, if I had something to say, I would raise my hand. Right. Or I would, you know, if if it's obvious that it's time for questions or comments, you know, that's fine. Um uh, uh, and, but people do this all the time in, in praying with other tongues uh, they'll start holl- hollering out some message anybody ever been in a service like that where people just start hollering out in the middle of a service Somebody speaking and, and they just override them and well, you know uh, you need to go back to kindergarten and learn, learn some manners right uh, uh, well I had to say it no you didn't have to say it you could have waited to the end of the service and, and why are you sitting way back up in the nosebleed seats anyway if God uses you that way why are you, why are you six miles from the microphone nobody can hear you all they hear is well You know, now they hear some noise that's interrupting the service. You know, if God really uses you, typically the minister would know that and you would sit up close where they could take a microphone to you so that everybody could be edified. Because if you give a tongue that only the three people around you can hear and not the other 18,000 people, then you're violating the the general principle of the purpose of tongues is for edification. Right. You know, everybody's not going to get edified. Now, to me, that's kind of obvious but that's lost on so many people, especially you know for some reason when we became charismatics and Pentecostals, we lost all sense of decor. We lost all sense of politeness. We're just rude people, disrespectful people. And we just do things, you know. We just interrupt things all the time. And mic grab—you ever seen mic grabbers? They just run to the stage and grab a microphone, you know, from the speaker. And don't come up here and grab no microphone from me, you know. I me and you won't get along really good, right? But if you need a microphone, let me know, and you know we'll 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 we'll, we'll see, right? Uh, you know the, I think I told you the time where we had a uh, we had a camp meeting here one time and uh, like on the first service this, this lady comes up to me and I never met her before and she said you know I'd like to sing a song okay I don't know you but that's pretty bold first service I don't want to sing a song right I mean do I know you I mean can you sing I don't know if you can sing uh, you, I mean does the Lord use you in singing I don't know um, uh, and so um so I said, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just talk to her. Because usually, if I don't know you, I can talk to you for just a few minutes to kind of find out where you're at in the Lord, right? You know, and so, so I just, well, i just talked with her for a few minutes. And, and the whole thing, it was, well, the devil's been doing this. The devil's been doing that. The devil's been doing this. and You know, I'm so sick all the time. I'm broke all the time. And the devil keeps attacking me here. And he's attacking my son and children and dog and cat and flowers and everything. And, and everything was the devil. And I'm thinking, okay, so what song are you going to sing that's going to help us get where we need to be, right? And so there's no way, zero chance. You know, I mean, I, we may have camp meeting the rest of our lives. You're never going to get to sing. You know? Now, if you grow up and change, maybe so, right? But um, there's no way. So now I, didn't, I wasn't disrespectful to her. I didn't say anything. I, you know, she just said, I'd like to sing a song. Uh, and I didn't say yay yeah or nay. I just you know, listened to her talk about the devil. And then, uh, and then there was time for the service to start. So I didn't, she didn't get a chance to sing. So she called me and left me this message. You know, this is so-and-so. I just want you to know how offended I am that you didn't let me sing, and I'm never coming back to your church. I'm thinking, should I say thank you? I mean, is it, that's probably, a, you know, how much drama would that be? You know, every time she doesn't get to sing, she gets mad at me, right? And, but, every, I mean, what would she sing, right? What do you want to sing if the devil is so important in your life? You know, kiss an angel good morning, love her like the devil when she comes back. I mean, it, I mean that maybe that would, you know, I mean, that's got the devil and the angels all together in one song. Maybe that's the song she's going to sing, right? Uh, and that's you know, not really a biblical song, right? Uh, and so, but what's she going to sing? I don't know, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, I remember we had another service one time and um, uh, I don't know why in the world, but the uh, the speaker was about to speak, you know, and uh, he was visiting and we were there just in support of him. Uh, and they said, well, we're going to have Sister Doodad sing a song. So Sister Doodad was sitting on the back row. And, uh, you know, I, she, I mean, I really don't know, but she was probably... 110, 120 years old, you know, or something like that. And she took like 15 minutes walking to the front of the thing. And, you know, I, I'm not careful for someone being old, but she she had a piece of paper in her pocket and she just, you know, sh- 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 and she gave it to uh, the, uh, the uh, well, I guess she gave it to them. That was her song there. And she sang, I think mine eyes have seen the glory. Is that, that's a song, right? Uh, of the coming of the Lord. Uh, uh, what's the name of that song? Do you know what the song The name of that song? Battle Hymn of the Republic. Yeah, that's it. I think she was trying to sing the Battle of the Republic. Uh, but it, it, it was so bad. I mean, just, and look, you know, I understand. I mean, talking about bad singing, you know, you don't want me to sing, right? I'm not, the Lord doesn't use me for singing. But I know that, you know, I am self-aware that the Lord doesn't use me for singing. But see, the point of that is to edify people. So, but if you can't sing, why do you want to get up and do that, right? Why do you want to get up? Because your singing should edify the people, uh, and, and the poor guitar player, you know, every now and then he could just do a, you know, just strum the chords, you know, boom, you know, that's all he could do he, because there was no, no rhythm, no, no words. And, and, um, uh, and so, uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to dis- disparage uh, uh, Sister Doodad on that. She's probably a wonderful person, you know, but, but the, the, t- the hard part is the minister had to get up and, and speak after that because the song should lead us into the presence of God, right? Well, she just was not able to do that. So I don't know if maybe she'd asked to sing a special or something. I don't know. And, and you know, the hard part on pastors is, you know, if you come up and ask and we don't give you the answer you like, a lot of people get mad and leave. Well, that's very disrespectful, right? Because if you're asking, that should be a yes or a no. And if the answer is no, you should be as happy as a yes. But many people are, are unhappy with a no. And they get mad and leave. And it's like, well, then you didn't ask. You were demanding. You were saying, I deserve a right to, to sing. You know, I demand to sing now. And you don't get a choice, Pastor. Then well, why are you asking, right? So that's, you know, people need to learn some respect and just in general, you know, for these things. And so, but it's the same thing in tongues. So many times I've seen people just jump up in the middle of service and and pray with other tongues and, and really just for, to get the attention, right? Uh, and so, Uh, And so he continues on there. Uh, He said um, uh, in verse 17, For thou, verilest, give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So 17 tells us another purpose of speaking with other tongues is that's the very best way that you can give thanks unto the Lord by praying with other tongues. Because it's the exact who's giving you the words to say. The Lord's giving you the words to say. So there's no better way because he said you barely give thanks well. So you're doing a good job of thanking the Lord by uh, speaking with the tongues. And a lot of times I'll just tell the Lord, thank you. You know, appreciate all the things you do. You're so good to us and kind to us. And a lot of times that that rolls right into speaking with the tongues because you just can't find the words to tell him how good, how good he is. Right. And I think there's in songs, right, that if I had 10,000 words to sing, I couldn't couldn't say how good you are. Right. Something like that. Uh, Kush knows all these things, you know, I don't know these songs, but. but, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, right? Something like that, yeah. Well, that's not speaking in tongues tongues, right? That's talking about words from other languages. But see, the reason why you need a a, a thousand tongues to sing is because you can't say thanks well enough with the words that you do have. So tongues gives you the ability to say thanks in a way that's even better than what your own understanding can come up with. Uh, and, and again, he's not diminishing that when you say thanks to the Lord. He's just saying that speaking in tongues, you have a better way to, to th- say thanks to the Lord. Uh, and so. Um, so, again, when you but when you're praying with the tongues, the other person is not helped. Right. Because they don't know. They don't know what you're doing. Right. Unless you interpret, they're not helping anybody. Uh, and so. Uh, but then he says in verse 18, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than y'all. So some people say, you know, it's not that important to speak with other tongues. But what did Paul say? Now, this is the church that spoke in tongues apparently way too much. And Paul said, you know, I still speak more tongues than you all, except, you know, the implication is he's doing it at the appropriate time, right? He's doing it uh, primarily in his prayer life, and he'll do it in public if there's an interpreter or, the, or the, he's interpreting the, the tongue itself. But he's saying, I speak in tongues a lot. So if Paul's saying that he speaks in tongues a lot, then what should we be doing? speaking in tongues a lot right and, and you know for my personal life i speak in tongues a lot i speak in tongues you know if i'm by myself working i'm, I'm oftentimes i'm speaking in other tongues just you know i'll start off just some just english and just quietly talking to the lord tell him how good he is and then i'll just speak with tongues because i know that uh, the value of speaking in tongues i'm giving thanks well i'm edifying myself i'm building myself up um and so those are good things to do, right? Uh, it's good things to, to give thanks to the Lord. Uh, it's good to, to edify yourself. It's good to strengthen yourself. Uh, and so Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church. So the verse 18 is talking about his private use of tongues. And then he changes gears again. So, you know, it's going back and forth between these two areas. But then, then he jumps back over to the church. So in his private life, he speaks with tongues more than all these Corinthians. I don't know how he knew that, right? But I guess he knew that by the Spirit of God. Um, and so, if Paul is saying that, then what should we be doing? We should be speaking in tongues a lot, amen. Uh, in, our pri- in our private prayer life, that's because that's what he says in verse eighteen. Because then he then compares it to the public use in the church. Uh, and so, um, so a lot of times people, you know, well, there's no real need in doing that. But Paul said he did that, so that should be enough, right? If Paul said he did a, a lot, then yes, sir. And I'm going to follow Paul. Don't you want to follow Paul? Wouldn't you love to have the revelation that Paul had? I can guarantee you a lot of the remember in verse three. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. I can guarantee you a lot of the revelation that Paul got was, was from the result of him praying in the tongues, uh, because those mysteries of those uh, revelations that he had. Would never come to light until he prayed them out in tongues, and then he got the light of the blood of Jesus and the covenant, and you know, in in uh, uh, different uh, uh, different doctrines that Paul brought to light that nobody knew until Paul brought them out and spoke to them out uh, to these churches. Uh, and so I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. So that should encourage us. We should speak with tongues a lot, right? Uh, it should be a a regular part of our prayer life. And a consistent, and we should do it in a large quantity, right? More than you all. Uh, and then he says in verse 19, "Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also, than ten thousand tongues, in, than ten thousand words in, in an unknown tongue." Which again, that's kind of an obvious statement, right? Five words of understanding that you understand—that's revelation that helps you, that assists you. Versus, I mean, we've been here for 55 minutes this morning, this, uh, this evening. And what if I spent 55 minutes speaking in other tongues? Would any of you be helped? No, none, none of you be helped. You're like, well, that was kind of odd. You know, I guess we can go home now, right? Uh, and so um, I thank my God I speak with tongues. You all know, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Children, uh, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but understanding understanding. Uh, but understanding be men. Uh, in the law it is written, When men of other tongues and other lips, with men of other tongues and other lips, will I speak unto this people? Yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. So now he's starting to talk a little bit about tongues that tongues are a sign, uh, and he said it's it's a sign for them that that uh, believe not. Uh, well, what's it? Why is it a sign to the unbeliever? Because we know it doesn't help them, right? They can't understand it. But why is it? Because he said it's a sign not to them that believe, but to the unbelieve. Uh, so uh, it's a sign to the unbeliever that God is supernatural. Now we know as Christians that He's supernatural, but you know a lot of the world God is no different than Allah or you know uh, Buddha or Hinduism or you know Ra, the sun god, whatever God they want to. They they think you know that Christianity is no different. Until you speak with other tongues. Now that's a supernatural sign that you can do anytime you want to, right? I mean, speaking speak in tongues right now, tomorrow, at lunchtime, during a, uh, taking a shower, anytime. It doesn't get wet or rust or anything. Uh, and so uh, tongues are for a sign to the believer, to the unbeliever, right? So it's a sign to them that God is real, that God is supernatural. Christians don't need a sign. We already know that. We know that by faith. Um, and so uh, so in that case, you know, then... then you know, if an unbeliever hears tongues, then, then they'll know that God is God. Now, I've heard and read after many unbelievers that people that speak with tongues are wacko nut jobs, right? Uh, because it's a sign to them that something is different. And for them, different is not good, right? Unless you're exactly like them, they hate you. Uh, and so um, unless you're carnal and, and dumb like them, you know, they hate you, right? And so they're un- ungodly people. that They will think the worst of you. Because any time a sign happens, the the job of the devil is to destroy the sign. You know, well, we can't have there being an obvious sign that God is supernatural. So we've got to somehow diminish that. And the way they diminish that typically with tongues is tongues is crazy. It's for crazy people that lose their mind, that, you know, are possessed of the, you know, of this this tongue thing. And, of course, even in the church that many Christians believe that tongues is of the devil. You ever heard that phrase? Tongues is of the devil. And yet tongues edifies you builds you up strengthens you you give thanks well it's a sign to the unbeliever a lot of uses for speaking other tongues so who's got the most to gain by diminishing its use in the church well the, the devil's got the most to gain by diminishing it right we've got the most to gain by using it uh, and so so why do you think the devil has gotten Christians to say it's of the devil because he's not coming from God obviously uh, uh, and um, uh, you know, it's just uh, uh, the devil's got the most to gain by diminishing tongues in the church. Amen. Because we again, uh, you can give thanks to the Lord with your own words, but those are always limited. Right. He said you barely give thanks well by speaking another tongue. So you're, you're never going to be able to give God the thanks that he deserves by limiting it to your own language. Uh, and so uh, if you don't believe in tongues, then you have limited your ability to thank the Lord. Uh, if you don't believe in tongues, you've limited the ability for you to be strengthened. Uh, if you uh, don't believe in tongues, you've, you've limited the ability for you to be edified and built up. Uh, you're limiting yourself, right? Uh, now, people are okay with that. I'm not okay with it. I'm, I want everything God wants me to have. But a lot of people just say, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay being carnal. I'm okay just, you know, limiting, living at about 40% of God, you know. Because uh, you're going to I don't know, there's no, I don't know what the number is. But there is some number. If you don't speak in other tongues, there's some number I don't know what it is, but there's some number you'll never get past that in your spiritual walk with the Lord. You will always be limited, always be limited because God gave this to us for these purposes. And if you choose not to use this, then you don't get the advantage of these these purposes. you still get to heaven. Sure, you go to heaven and you're going to be really sad when you get there for just a nanosecond. When you realize what you missed out on, because the Lord will show you, well, you are here spiritually. You can and should have been here. But because you chose to, when the revelation came to speak with other tongues, you rejected it. Well, Lord, but they were all crazy people. What's that got to do with the word of God? Is the word of God the word of God or not? doesn't matter if crazy people believe it or not. How many people don't go to church because, well, there's hypocrites there? Whatever, right? Is that going to be an excuse when you get to heaven? Lord, uh, Lord I didn't go to church because there were hypocrites there. Like, oh, Well, then that's okay. Then, 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 then I excuse you from never doing my will because you met a hypocrite one time in your life, right? Uh, my my observation is there's hypocrites in every area of life. You know, in your job, in your church, you know. There's always going to be hypocrites. You know, nobody quits their job where there's hypocrites at, at work. No, you ever heard anybody quit job because of that? No. Why? Because you want the paycheck at the end of the day, right? But people forget that there's a paycheck at the end of, of church every day, right? The paycheck of revelation, paycheck of edification, paycheck of understanding who God is more in your life. Uh, and so, so he said, uh, uh, he said tongues are a sign for them that believe not but prophesieth serve, serveth not for them that believe not for them, but them which believe so uh, so we as Christians don't need a sign from heaven because we already believe so that's why prophecy helps us more because we don't need the value of tongues as far as it just being a sign but we do need the edification exhortation, comfort of prophesying so uh, we'll have to stop there but so he continues on to talk some more about the church and the use of tongues in public. And, you know, I just think uh, this whole chapter, and, and, you know, we're going through it pretty quick. Uh, but this whole chapter is just a good summary of the use of tongues and the value of tongues. And there's even some more things outside this chapter that we'll mention uh, toward the end of that, of the other values of, of speaking with other tongues. Uh, and so if Paul said, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Then it should be a race right then then okay then i've got to try to catch up with paul right i should try to speak with tongues like paul does uh, now again you know uh, can you make it to heaven without praying with other tongues sure you can right because believing and confessing is what gets you in, into the doors of heaven uh, but in this life you need as much assistance as you possibly can get uh, and the greatest helper Right. What's what's the one of the definitions for the Holy Spirit? You know, the Bible calls him a comforter, which is the Greek word paraclete. Uh, One of the the definitions of the word comforter is helper. And he helps you. Uh, And one of the great ways that he helps you is when you speak with other tongues by his unction. Uh, And so, again, if you choose not to speak with other tongues, well, that's not for me. Or, you know, I don't know how to do that. Or, you know, whatever the it doesn't matter what the excuse is. They're all excuses. Right. Right. you know, you should pursue it with all that you are. If that's what the, if the Bible says that you can do it, then you should do it. And if you choose not to do it, then you're missing out on, on the blessings of heaven. And, you know, uh, and not to, I'm not trying to put the fear of God in people, but, you know, the Lord will, will, will remember uh, what he said to the men in the book of uh, Matthew. Uh, well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant, right? So our faithfulness is faithful to do his word. And if we choose not to do his word by an excuse, well, Lord, it was too hard, or I didn't understand, or I didn't want to, or maybe uncomfortable, whatever that, it doesn't matter what the excuse is, then in that area, we are not faithful to his word. So you may get in, right? But you won't get in in the fullness of where you could have. Amen? And some people are okay with with mediocrity in their Christianity, right? We just, you know, I'm just okay being average, right? Um, but you know that's you're really not going to be when you get to heaven. You know, you, when the Lord rejects every one of your excuses, and you know, you know how many how many excuses will He reject? That'd be every one of them. Right? there would never be an excuse where you were excused not to do the Word of God. And they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Uh, and and you're gonna you and you will realize how much you missed out on. And of course, you know. I think most of us here speak with the tongues, if not everybody. Uh, but it's the Lord's given it to us as a great gift, amen? It's a great blessing to the church, just to the New Testament church, not part of the Old Testament, amen? Uh, and so we should take advantage of that. And really, everybody, you know, uh, on Facebook, you know, Facebook goes out to a billion people, and maybe all billion people will watch Facebook on this particular message, right? And they'll all get speaking in other tongues as a church. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? Uh, Lord Jesus will probably come back the day after tomorrow if we all start speaking in other tongues, amen? Because uh, just think about how much power would be available to the church if we would do that. Uh, and so... Praise God. Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you that we can be edified, built up, strengthened, Father, by speaking with other tongues. Father, we thank you that we can give thanks well, Father, by speaking with other tongues. Uh, Father, we thank you that uh, that our speaking in tongues can be a sign for the unbeliever that you are supernatural, that you are real, that you are uh, in the earth today assisting us and helping us, Father. And so, Lord, we will take advantage of all the blessings of these things that you've given to us by speaking with other tongues. And if Paul said that uh, he prays in tongues more than we, all of us, Father, then we need to speak more in tongues. Uh, and so, Father, if, if Paul said, I would that you all speak with other tongues, Father, then, then we know from your word that it's your desire that all of us, regardless of our background and regardless of what church we attend, that all of us, according to your word, should Speak with other tongues. It's a gift that you've given to us, to your church, to be a blessing to us. So, Father, we'll not second-guess your, your choices, we'll not second-guess your will and plan for the church. As humble servants of the Lord, Father, we'll choose to yield to your word, choose to yield to your will and plan for our lives. Father, we thank you for these things. We give you the, pray, the praise and honor for these in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And, um, you know, I'm enjoying this because, you know, just going through tongues and the value of tongues, you know, it's pretty helpful uh, for the church because, you know, even Pentecostal people sometimes, well, I do it. Well, what's the point of it? Well, I mean, if you understand these verses, then you'll understand the point of it, right? Uh, And uh, so come ahead, Mr. Jared, uh, and receive the offering. And so don't forget the soft drinks there in the kitchen. Help yourself to those. Um, Prayer uh, this Friday night at 7 p.m., Uh, Come out for that, and um, uh, we'll pray. Uh, And then um, uh, we'll be here at church on Sunday, right? Amen. So y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and you're dismissed.